0: It may even be 43% of American adults um, don't have $400 for an emergency that may come up. That's over a third of adults. And if you look at counties uh, like ours, um, then you know that that number is more strained and drawn out, where it could be 50 or 55.
1: Welcome to the Prince George's Daily. On this season, we will be taking a look at businesses and entrepreneurs in Prince George's County, getting insight into both the business process and the world of entrepreneurship. You will hear the stories shared by business owners and the entrepreneurs in the county, their challenges and their steps for success.
2: Hello, Prince George's County. I'm Dell Roden and today is December 23rd, 2019. In today's episode of the Prince George's Daily, I try to learn what I can about money and finance from Heath Carelock, the director of the Financial Empowerment Center at Prince George's Community College. Do you want to learn about finance? Find out right here on the Prince George's Daily. Check out that interview right after the weather. And for today's weather, it's gonna be fairly nice outside for the rest of us last minute shoppers and travelers. The high temperatures will reach 48 degrees under partly cloudy skies before dropping down below freezing tonight tomorrow temperatures will rise to almost 50 degrees before dropping back down to the mid 20s we're hoping for fair weather on christmas day as well our sunrise this morning was at 7:22, and our sunset this afternoon will come right around 4:49. that's the weather for the day stay with us for the news with lillian torres in today's headlines we've got a local man from yale with a special honor coming over the weekend and over the holiday break and police are handing out toys not tickets find out more after i bring us the prince georgian of the day heath carelock and here we go okay so i'm gonna speak for the average prince georgian who knows absolutely nothing about the financial empowerment center what do y'all do the financial empowerment
0: center seeks to put community members on a path to financial stability. That's all. And we do that through improved credit, increased savings, reduced debt, uh, increased use of
2: financial products that put people on a path to wealth building and financial stability. Is this even important to places like Prince George's County? This is the richest black county in the country. Still, do we need stuff like this? Can we just call uncle?
0: Do we have title one schools? Do we have free and reduced price lunch? And uh, an exceptional number of students who have to be on free and reduced price lines. Absolutely. So, uh, whether it's our public schools that re- reflect our ability to have balance and equity in the society for for folks at the lower ends and lower rungs, um, whether it's the transitioning population from who are, who have immigrant status and some of the Uh, sanctuary cities like Langley Park area Uh, you you think of immigrants coming to Prince George's County you think Riverdale you think Hydesville you think places like that and you also have folks who uh, who are college poor Um, they've gone to college they may not have even graduated and they have debt and what are they to do Um, so we have a, a county that's riddled and rattled with uh, various economic challenges. In fact, in 2016, in terms of the working population, the ALICE report, which is the asset-limited income-constrained employed individuals, uh, said that 43% of Prince George's adults are at or below the poverty line or just above it. That's significant, Dale. Oh, yeah. Um, So. You know, we have a situation where <laughs> I'm sure the employment has improved since 2016. So I'm sure that number is a little challenged, uh, coming down from 43%. But even still, we uh, we had a county that was traumatized by the subprime mortgage crisis and uh, the, the lending situation that took place in 2007 through 2009 and into 2010 this county was disproportionately affected by that and the ramifications of that put a lot of people in uh, bankruptcy put a lot of people in the foreclosure and that stuff stays on people's record and certainly stays on people's mind they can incur new penalties during those stretches of time which can extend their loss and their challenge so we have I I don't even know the numbers on that but I can say assuredly that we have a a community that has has that type of history right and beyond that uh, I mean there are a number of positives Uh, this isn't to to be a wrecking ball for for what is built up and manifest as a very progressive and strong county but it is a place where there are real challenges and I think if we give a cursory glance and overlook those challenges and those pockets where people are really struggling, this can be flipped upside down really quickly.
2: What else do people like me get wrong about Prince George's County? I don't know what you get wrong yet. Well, but we assume that Prince George's County is is the the rich county. We see these huge gated communities all over the place. Uh, Bowie is a relatively wealthy. Um, city, it's the largest city in the in the county, but it's one of the cities in the county, and there's the uh, the national harbor. So there's there's wealth and even opulent wealth, mm-hmm. in, in Prince George's County, and, and you're telling me that recently, forty three percent of the population was right around the the poverty line.
0: Mm-hmm. Very
2: true. So that's one thing I get wrong. Well, we still
0: have, like I said, we still have the Title One schools. Right. We, I mean. You, that's that's a clear indicator of where families are right and families have to um, hold the line for those kids and so look no further than the school district uh, also look at professors here at the college they're professors who are living paycheck to paycheck look no further than the government shutdown that took place you had perfect perfectly high earning folks making six figures in this county who missed two paychecks and all of a sudden they're in the bread line they're you know stories about this through the Financial Empowerment Center through the Capital Area Food Bank through the United Way um, and on, on TV where people miss a paycheck or two and then they're upside down they're out right. of sorts so that's still a real situation for folks here in this county that have not saved properly. Uh, in fact, uh, if you think about the 38% number, um, it may even be 43% of American adults, um, don't have $400 for an emergency that may come up. That's over a third of adults. And if you look at counties, uh, like ours, um, then you know that that number is more strained and drawn out where it could be 50 or 55 or 60 percent of adults or even worse. Um, you, you judge these things by the number of program dollars thrown at uh, helping to be a resource to plug a gap for folks and, and that exists here at the college as well. So um, again, not to be too, too much of a, a, a bore uh, or pour cold water on this but to be real about it. And also I learned a statistic, I've been out traveling uh, on the West Coast at these conferences lately. And one of the statistics was, what does it take to, uh, to, to live in a place to rent or to own? Oh, yeah. And so minimum wage across the countries, I think in the $15 range, and to legitimately be comfortable in a living situation, your your, the housing part of your budget should not be greater than 30 percent 30 percent of your budget for the month right so if you have a thousand dollars a month i mean as a as a generality if you have a thousand dollars a month you're earning and get to take home 300 of that no more than 300 of that should go to rent or mortgage payment um now obviously people generally who are in living situations earn more than that. But the the idea just on a a number episode here. Right. So what am I saying? So $15 or so in minimum wage. Minimum wage is not high enough to afford that housing wage. The housing wage is for a one-bedroom apartment, for example, is at $19 and something as a national average nationally for a two-bedroom uh, living situation, it's at uh, $23, right. $15. So you can't earn minimum wage and successfully live without going into debt right. or having to call on some other money. Um, so that that's real for folks. And in Maryland, uh, it's $27.92, if I recall correctly. To in have the whole a state of Maryland. To have a two-bedroom, to live in, you would have to earn twenty-seven dollars ninety-two cents an hour to have that
2: thirty percent mark. To keep the, it at the thirty percent margin and to, to live securely like that, make ends meet. Okay, so I know in other countries the statistics are, are very different, vastly different. I think I have a, a daughter who lives in, in London, mm. and I, I think it's closer to like seventy percent for housing, mm. and they don't they don't go out to eat. Because everything goes into the the house. So that's a a Mm -hmm. different model. Mm -hmm. But she makes a little bit more than $27 an hour, too. Mm -hmm. So she's able to do everything that she needs to do there. For the people here, though, it sounds like we're going back to the old mantra, you have to have a job and a hustle, Mm. which is sort of the whole theme of this season for the podcast that hustle that's that side thing and making that side thing a business i do want to talk much more about the where the status of financial prince george's county but we're going to have to spend hours on on that one and maybe we need to spend a whole week mm. just on 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 that and really dig deep into to that part but let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about what the financial empowerment center does for people who are looking for that hustle looking to start a business
0: Well, the center um, offers small business coaching, and we offer a standard program once a month called Small Business Mindset Training. It's offered by one of our advisory board members and a person who's an adjunct here at the college named Carolyn Yeager. Uh, We appreciate Carolyn for her efforts because she does a two-part series, so it's offered twice a month. Uh, So... Part one is offered at the early part of the month. Part two, the middle or latter part of the month. And it focuses on nourishing folks who are vacillating, uh, ambivalent, sort of in between. You know, do I get in? Do I not? They're between daring and uncertainty. And they need a nudge. They need a nudge. That's why it's mindset training. So before there's an actual business idea, there has to be a mindset for business. Right. And a belief in the motivations, the inspirations that that are at the heart of a business idea because a business is a is a bear. It's a wrestling match. And if you're gonna do it and do it well, uh, because you know the stats on seventy to ninety percent of businesses fail in the first three years, first five years and um if if you don't want to be a statistic, um, then you, know, you can be in that slim, narrow margin of, of victory, where some people escape that time and then you, I've owned my own business for 22 years. You get people like that who right. clearly didn't, didn't fail, at least on that iteration of their business. Right. So business is about failure. Um, business mindset is about being able to endure and having resiliency. Um, being able to adapt, being able to adjust, being able to learn while you go. And uh, that's really important to someone who's a business owner, a successful business owner, to know that. We also offer, um, you know, things like franchising, how to own your own franchise, how to be a franchisee, you know, that type of thing. Uh, because we know that the threshold for the American dream, and quotes, Uh, The American dream is defined by being able to start your own business, going to business for yourself, is anywhere between $25,000 and $100,000. And if you are able to save up to that mark, now mind you, this is not talking about your retirement savings. This is not talking about your emergency fund. This is not talking about your cash flow. This is not talking about your fund to go on trips and vacation this is a separate line of money that one is saving to have that escape velocity to launch into their own business and dream. And that index is about at 25000 to $100,000. And you want to be able to invest in yourself. That's, that may even be a, cons- uh, a, a, a very conservative way of looking at it. Um, But it may not for someone like Melinda um, Emerson, who's a black business owner and author. She says that you should have before you start your own business, you should have at least 12 months before you get into business for yourself. And this is what I tout when I mention and teach uh, business ownership and such. Um, You should have 12 months before you start. You should have a 750 or better credit score you should have whatever salary you're coming off of, even if it's $38,000, you should have that same amount saved up in the bank entirely. If you're making $120,000, you should have 120000 saved up. So you should have a year's worth of your most recent salary saved up. She also says that you should have uh, two years worth, basically two years worth of expected revenue um, saved up or, you know, because businesses have to, have cash flow for three months out and so why not plan to have it for a year out so that if you get in a rut with sales if you get in a rut with marketing if you get in a rut with some major purchase you have to make to advance your business that you're able to still keep your business going and pay contractors pay consultants pay employees um pay marketing and so uh that's a really important approach. That is extre- that's an extremely high bar. There are others who are like, six weeks to start your own business. Here's a business startup kit. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I support both. And I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I think people should be methodical about getting into business for themselves, whether that's as an independent business owner, sole proprietor, a consultant, whatever, or a franchisee. Um, in fact, The gentleman who came to talk about franchising was from SCORE, which is a part of the Small Business Administration Project and Outreach. Um, And he was fascinating with what he shared. Uh, For example, he shared that uh, franchises take care of a lot of the periphery, which a business owner uh, who owns their own business would otherwise have to use bandwidth, resources, time and effort to cover that periphery. Whereas if you're a franchise owner, you don't have to mind that. That's covered by what the, you're paying the franchise fee anyway. And a lot of that stuff is handled through the franchise, the software
2: that you're going to use, the accounting, the this, the that. So, yeah. Well, franchise is also relatively expensive. If we look at the model, the accounts model you were talking about with all the savings and all the, um, I can't think of the word right now, but making sure that all your boxes are, are checked before you start and the franchise, which is can be up to $100,000 to start. That's a lot of money for a county where we've got people who are struggling day yes to day, paycheck to no.
0: paycheck. Yes and no. And here's why. Um, if you do take care of your credit score and if you are loan eligible in a very a very important way, um, that means that that hundred. 50,000 to get in on the franchise, shoot, you just have to worry about having 25 to 35,000 to put down on the loan. And that's why that threshold of the American dream is so important at that rate. Because when you start talking loans to, to, to have for your business, if you have a certain amount of cash then on hand, then you can put in a down payment in that loan situation just like a house, just like anything, a car, just like whatever. And so you're going to have to have skin in the game. And the best way to do a lot of this is just strictly with cash on hand. Um, So, you know, it's not as daunting as you think if you've behaved
2: into the situation responsibly. Okay, so let me ask you this. I'm a, a, a young Gen Z millennial who has decided it's time for me to start a business. I haven't begun my family yet, so it's just me. I got a little bit of savings. I got a little bit of security. How do I start, and how does the Financial Empowerment Center help me to start? So we not only have
0: the small business mindset training, not only certain workshops like franchising, how to own your own franchise, how to finance your own business. We also offer small business coaching directly, one-on-one. We do a diagnostic at the center. We help you look at all the different um, areas that you should focus on using a, a tool called Live Plan, which will help you build your business model, write your business plan, and it will fill in the blanks for you. Um, it's a really cool procedure and process, and it's all free. It's all free. Um, the as other, long as
2: I live in the county, I can just stop by
0: your office. As long and... as you're in the region, as long as you come to the center, it's all free. How would we um, contact you? Uh, the FEC has a website. Uh, www.pgcc.edu slash go slash fec. We also have our email address fec at pgcc.edu. We also have Twitter and mm-hmm. uh, Instagram, uh, and which is at fecpgcc. Okay. And so Facebook and and Facebook yeah, and personal email addresses that are affiliated with the brand and stuff. Um, we, you want to be on our email list because we have all different types of workshops and such, even beyond business that can help the individual. Um, and with all of our small business coaching, we do an element of personal financial coaching or counseling. Um, and that's really important. And if you're coming to the center, um, and I'm working with you, and you have a, a nationally accredited financial counselor now. Um, so, you know, you're going to get uh, a good perspective on the different aspects of personal financial well being, income at the heart of that, how to plan, how to maximize income, how to save, how to spend, how to borrow, how to invest, how to protect your money as well. And so, those are the key areas of money. Um, it's about seven seven key areas, right? Plan. Repeat those again, please. Planning, maximizing income, saving, spending, borrowing, investing, and protecting. Um, and each of those areas are have their own sort of nuances. Uh, some people come to us with spending problems. I can't stop spending, for and this is a time of year where People think it's for a good cause. It's the holidays, lighten up, loosen up. Tell Michelle Singletary that. Michelle Singletary, the author and syndicated columnist uh, who who writes very explicitly and even gave a recent interview on CNN about what people should do if they can't afford gifts to buy at the holidays. Don't buy. It's like that (laughs) SNL skit. Why are you, what good is going into debt going to do for you next year? Is that the gift you want? Why not just come out and say, hey, I'm working on myself this Christmas time. I'll show you through time or through love or through some type of service to you what you mean to me. So, but this year I'm, i I got to work on myself. It, it's okay to do that.
2: I don't I don't think you Mr. Carlock and, and Miss Singletary understand this Christmas thing. <laughs> You're supposed to overspend on Christmas uh, so you get your taxes back in February and pay off uh, the credit cards.
0: <laughs> yeah. It affects credit scores. It affects My mother would shoot me buy. if she heard me say that. <laughs> I know. And, and and really people who are expecting to do something major, like buy a house in the next few weeks or months. Um, or buy a, a car. Um, don't if you're gonna finance those things, don't buy like a bunch of stuff. Don't run up the score on your credit limit and and then go, Oh, hey, now I gotta sit down and, and buy the house now. It's not gonna be pretty.
2: In no. fact you may not even get the, the loan you were looking for. And if you get it your interest rate will be so much higher yeah. that you're paying for thirty years more yeah. per month than you had to because you had to buy your girlfriend a boyfriend. A really nice Christmas present. Unless
0: you can buy it in cash. Yeah. You know, uh, so there there are variances to this. And if you're specific about that, if you have the cash, if you have it saved up, believe me, by all means, you know, be wise about how you go about it. But don't put it on your credit card right when you're trying
2: to settle on a home. I mean, that'll just ruin the deal right there. Okay, I got one more question Mm -hmm. for you. Um, And I'd like to know, based on your experience, what type of person should look to go into business for themselves? What type of person is most likely to be successful as an entrepreneur? I mean, you can walk through the
0: business books, Al, or uh, get some biographies on who the CEOs are or who some entrepreneur is or watch Shark Tank. Um, The... The, the attributes and the positive traits to a business owner um, look like this. Somebody who's secure, somebody who's confident, somebody who's thoughtful, creative, energetic, influential. Um, somebody who can communicate, someone who is able to adapt, and someone who... By all means, can get you to believe in them and their product or service. That's the significant thing about being a business owner and someone who is good at self learning and self compassion because you're going to bump your head, you're going to come into barriers, you're going to come into um, times of delay. And you got to have resilience, you got to have self learning attributes, you got to keep learning through it all. And you know there are a number of different dimensions to a business owner, but I mentioned several there. Another thing is you need to be well-networked. And it's all about the other people too, the people who are on your team. Your team may not be employees, you might be a sole proprietor truly, but that doesn't mean you don't have a lawyer, an accountant, that doesn't mean you don't have a mentor. Having a business mentor, if you look at the gains on mentorship and the one-to-one, um, someone who doesn't have a mentor, someone who does, and the business space is special. Like the difference is, is important. So, um, and, and the ability to be coachable is, uh, you know, we, we talk about sports a lot, but the fact is when you look at these shows and you see the shark tank and you see the feedback folks get, <clears throat> look at whether or not they're genuine in their humility Um, when they're receiving feedback that there's a lot of sort of uh, because you know if you own a real business and it starts to become like a corporation or you develop you have a board or something like that even a non-profit like you're going to have other voices chiming in like I'm not I don't feel comfortable with the this direction we're headed in well maybe that person has to go or maybe you have to change as the actor the executive um maybe you have to consider someone else's perspective for a change Uh, and maybe it will pan out and you'll see that this person was right so you have to be wise and there's all these stats on oh the average ceo reads 22 books a day Uh, i mean a month right 22 new books a month well, I'm not saying that you have to read 22 books a month. But you got to be about a reader. Some, you, what about some uh, some, assortment of articles, podcasts, books, um, speeches you were at, conferences, stuff yeah. like that? What about stringing that together and calling it knowledge and self-learning and some new innovation, new innovative idea or space you're in? Um, that, and, and also... Leader, business leaders are, are collaborative. Mm. You know, you see it in, in music now, and you've seen it for probably 20 years in music, these collaborations. You know, that's, that's the way business is heading because with climate change, with plastic being a problem, with um, just different environmental challenges and uh, policy challenges... Um, we're going to need folks who really understand how to cooperate with one another, how to be influential amongst each other and how to listen to each other. Okay. Mm.
2: Well, I think that's all we, we can, we can afford today, but we will <laughs> certainly have you back. I really appreciate this. Um, once again, Heath Carelock from the financial empowerment center at Prince George's community college. And I'm Del Roden with the Prince George's daily. Thank you, sir. That was good.
3: Hi, Prince George's County. I am Lillian Torres, and here is the latest news for today. A man was shot and killed Saturday afternoon in Capitol Heights, Maryland, police said. Prince George's County police responded to a reported shooting at the 5200 block of Marlborough Pike around 4 10 pm. When officers arrived, they found one adult man suffering from gunshot wounds in the parking lot. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Detectives are currently on scene working to establish potential suspects and a motive in this case. Thousands of people waited in line starting as early as 3 a.m. as Prince George's County Police held its annual Toys for Tots distribution Saturday. Of course, the event included a visit from Santa, who pulled up in a squat car with knickknacks to give to kids who were waiting in line outside. Inside the building, what is usually a police gymnasium had been taken over by toys. Towers of dolls and balls row after row of bikes and giant columns of board games were just some of the toys on hand. Doors opened at 8 a.m. and as long as anyone who registered ahead of time arrived by 6 p.m., they were going home with a big bag of toys. We have over 58,000 toys to give away today and we're going to make sure we give every kid as many toys as possible, Sergeant Queasy Datsy said. We'll make sure every kid today will will have a toy added Datsy. It's important because it's not about the gifts. It's about the effect of giving. Datsy also said events like this help police reach out to the community in a positive way and not just on someone's worst day. I see people that need and knowing that a person in uniform is there to help them not only in the bad times but also in the good times, he said. A local teenager who made history as the first African-American student body president at Yale University is weeks away from being inducted into the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Washington's Hall of Fame. Khalil Green, 19, has a lot to be proud of as the 2019 year comes to an end. Earlier this year, he made history at one of the nation's most prestigious university. The Montgomery County native was elected as the school's first black student body president The junior is now halfway through his term. In January, Green will be inducted into the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Washington's Hall of Fame. He'll be among other honorees like WUSA9's General Manager Richard Dyer. As part of the induction, Green said the inductees are teaming up with the BGC GW to help raise $15,000 to support 10 club kids for the year. The money will go directly towards supplies, resources and programs for the kids and will ensure Boys and Girls Clubs continue to run and provide support for youth.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Prince George's Community News and Prince George's Community College, celebrating over 60 years of offering the highest possible standards in college education for the county and the region. Visit us at pgcc.edu. The opinions expressed on the Prince George's Daily Podcast do not necessarily represent those of Prince George's Community College, its employees, or its affiliates. The producers of the Prince George's Daily Podcast are Heavenly Bee, to Say. David Smalls, Joshua Boykin, Brian Green, and Chandra Durham, and is executively produced by Dale Roden. Tune in tomorrow as we continue our discussion on businesses in Prince George's County. This is the Prince George's Daily.